0: A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without
1: taking ourselves so seriously.
0: You're listening to
2: Table Talk Radio.
3: Have you completely dedicated every part of yourself to it? And I said, well... What's the answer? And she says, that's the trouble. The answer always no. I said, well, let's ask the question a different way. Has Jesus given everything for you? Has he dedicated his whole life to you? Has he invited you into his heart? And the answer to that is a glorious and gracious and conscious, freeing, comforting yes. Uh, only then we, we hear the gospel
1: that Jesus Christ came to earth, uh, was born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life. Uh, In our place, and died the death that we deserved, took on the full wrath of God. All that was done for us so that we could be called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. (laughs) That's not going to help with the who wants the data seminarian hotline right there. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show.
3: (laughs) Oh, you you ask forgiveness first. <laughs> what is that apologize saying?
1: Before we even start, it's it's easier to ask for forgiveness and permission or something like that.
3: Yeah, you. Uh, although you never know, this could be the greatest show that we've ever recorded, and then you wouldn't actually need to apologize. It's not hard to beat our greatest. I wonder. I wonder what our listeners
1: think our greatest show is. If you have an opinion on the matter, let us know at questions at tabletalkerradio. dot org of your I guarantee favorite. You it's not the first show we did. <laughs> uh, what did we do for our sh- first show? Didn't we talk about
3: heaven and and things of that nature? Can't even remember. Yeah. Anyway, I kind of blocked it out. It's one of those repressed memories. <laughs> well, uh,
1: along with every other show that we do. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Well, uh we have a a, a a decent lineup in store for you today. Uh after doing buzzwords and email. Uh, we're gonna pl- play Kakka. Is that right? CAC-ga. Oh yes, that's right. The casual CAC-ga. apologetics conversation game.
3: Well we're well, we actually gonna play Ten Commandments in the News slash Kakka. So, so we have super another game. super
1: game. That's right. So
3: Ten Commandments in the News Kakka. That's, really,
1: that's not really different than than the Ten Commandments we play Every time, you know, because we always do this little thing of trying to work in the conversation aspect of it.
3: I like that, the way it goes. So we read a new story, we guess what, uh, or we don't guess, we identify (laughs) which of the Ten Commandments that it has to do with, and then we we talk about how we would speak the gospel uh, to the person in the story or to a person reading the story, something like this. So that's a nice game. I like it. All right. And then we're playing Name That Theologian. Uh, yes, for you. I've got four theologians all talking about the doctrine of conversion. So, uh, so we'll see how you do on that. Good. Well, do you know what the time is now. No. This is Eric, the truck driver, and I <laughs> love Table Talk Radio. Without theological buzzwords, I could never understand Johann Gerhard. <laughs>
1: all right, Eric. that means it's time for buzzwords. And this is the part of the show where we give each other words, theological buzzwords uh, to each other, define what they mean, and then the other person has to work in the word in the natural conversation, up to 500 points available for this. And uh, my theological buzzword for you, Pastor, is exegesis. This is a word uh, that means to draw out. And so this is what we're talking about when we're talking about uh, drawing out the meaning from the biblical text. This is a word that can be applied for anything, but in theology we especially mean and drawing out the meaning of the text. Now, the the uh,
3: opposite of this is
1: might be a future buzzword someday, is eisegesis. I just change it. It's going to be my buzzword. Oh, okay, you, go eisegesis.
3: ahead. <laughs> so Jesus is reading into the text, pouring meaning into the text, and, and that's the wrong way to do it. This is where you, uh, you, I know what I want the Bible to say, and now you go hunting around for where the Bible says it. Uh, so that now the Bible becomes your servant rather than you being its servant. So eisegesis is the wrong thing. Exegesis is the right thing. Yeah, there's a there's an exegetical uh, professor at the
1: seminary that says, uh, you all have your own pious opinions of what the text says, but I want you to prove it to me from the text. <laughs> In other That's... words, it's not enough to just come up with what you think, uh, but the, the text is actually objective, that we use language and grammar and and uh, what the culture at the time, and we use all these things as factors into determining what uh, what the the author actually meant in writing what he wrote
3: good my buzzword was f- for you was going to be heresy, but remember that for next week because I 'll forget but so you, you <laughs> so I get exegesis you get eisegesis. that's actually fitting <laughs> <laughs> hey wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Well, uh, we have some emails. Uh, I'll, I'll read my email first because I uh, did not get a chance to get to it last time. This email is from Tim in Normal, Illinois. He said, I found your program last week via the Issues Etc. website. I really enjoyed it. I especially enjoyed the Praise Song Cruncher. Everybody
3: loves the Praise Song Cruncher. It's uh, The Praise Song Cruncher is everybody's favorite Praise Song Cruncher. <laughs> That's safe to say.
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, your approach is so thoughtful and objective. Well, I don't know about that. It's up to Pastor Wolfmuller's... Anyway.
3: Whole, I, you know, the Praise Song Cruncher, that's the idea, is to try to take something so subjective and try to give some sort of objective criteria to it, you know? It's tough. So.
1: I'd like to see if any, if any uh, uh, Christian college professors are listening out there. <laughs> That's like you know screaming into a dark room. Is anyone there? Is anyone? There? <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, if you if you That's have, what I feel
3: like every time we record our show,
1: <laughs> if you have a anybody mute, listening, a, a praise. Do I have a, a praise band class at these at these Christian colleges? Anyway, uh, to take this to the professor of that and say you should be teaching this criteria to all of your uh, aspiring youth and, and worship leaders.
3: Yeah, when the praise song cruncher makes it on the curriculum at college campuses, then we really will know (laughs) something has gone wrong. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Anyway, uh, Tim writes, God brought me to confessional Lutheranism as an adult out of a fundamental evangelical background. My first encounter with confessional Lutheranism was as a graduate student at the University of Nebraska, where in class... Uh, on church and music at a secular university, my professor made a comment about how LCMS, how LCMS Lutherans were likely the most closely grounded to the theology and practice of the early church. Wow, that was about 25 years ago, and that comment started me on a journey that changed my life. I resonate with many of the topics I find on your website, and Pastor Wolfmiller, you are one of my favorite issues, etc. speakers. Uh, and see, so you said no one stroked your ego.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> your bo- bro- you, your broadcast Thank on decision theology was fantastic and i really appreciate your paper on can you make a decision decision for christ is one of my was one of the most clearest statements on the topics i've encountered all right thanks tim and normal illinois yeah, we appreciate your okay. email and that's, that's, it, that's a that's a neat neat uh a neat story to you know you go to a secular university and taking a class on on church music and And some professor makes
3: some sort of a sidebar comment, and then you you actually research it out. That's pretty good. Uh, It's amazing to me that this professor at a secular university knows better about the Missouri Synod than we Missouri Synod folk do. That's true. Hmm. That is interesting. Very telling. Okay, do you have an email, too? I do. This is from Mike. It says, oh, it's addressed to you, Evan, it says. Youth Speaker Cruncher should be renamed. (laughs) This is pretty good. Last week we did this Youth Speaker Cruncher. Uh, where we the top ten the, the top ten ways criteria to determine if you're being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker, uh, and Mike has a suggests a new name for it. It should be renamed Table Talk Listener Punishment Hour. <laughs> 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 that I, I think that could just be the yeah that, our in name general of our show. Yeah. We'll rename that, it. Listener he continues punishment. here. <laughs> <laughs> that survivor guest was so painful that I had to listen to the show five minutes at a time and then take a ten minute break before hearing more it brought back nightmares from my own youth experiences Shudder. (laughs) I especially enjoyed the uh, the faith and love enable us to believe medieval church talk at the end of the presentation. After the whole thing, I was reminded of the praise song cruncher questions. Was Jesus mentioned? If so, in name or concept, I don't think he talked about Jesus at all. Send this dude back to the island. (laughs) (laughs) He was a survivor contestant who's going around talking about it. Uh, Mike continues. Those of us who were able to sit through the whole show should get some radio points for our endurance. uh, With a little smiley, winky face. Love the show, respectfully, Mike. Thanks, Mike. And you do get points. In fact, d- d- isn't there a standing rule that if you listen to the end of the show, you're automatically awarded some sort of points? Isn't that a standing rule? I think for it usher? is. Something like that. A hundred uh, points if you listen
1: to the end. So now, in case you missed that, you can go to our website at TableTalkerRadio.org and listen to that show where we talk about uh, what was it, the uh, how to tell you're being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker. And uh we, we, we kinda ragged on that guy, Austin Cardi, who is a uh, uh a former contestant of Survivor. Um the poor guy, I don't even think that the, the the talk that we were we were listening to was even to youth. But uh we just needed something to to just kinda show you how this uh, checklist works. So uh we're happy to do it again though. If you if you have some sort of a, a, a youth talk or youth gathering presentation, sermon, if you will, that's been recorded. Send it to us, and we like to run it through and and give some more exposure to this this checklist for, for youth speakers.
3: Yeah, I think this is uh, this has the potential of um, uh, of being similar to the praise song cruncher, although nothing quite captures the magic of the cruncher. <laughs> but uh, th- this criteria to determine emotional manipulation, I think I think we'll be able to do some more things with that. So uh, so stay tuned for uh, for more in upcoming shows.
1: Yeah, we would like your feedback on the on the criteria uh, if we can shape this up a little bit. We'd be happy to do that. Before we go to this break, uh, and, and when we come back, we'll be playing the Ten Commandments in the news. Super Game with Casual Apologetics Conversation Game. I do want to tell you about Table Scraps Live. We did this uh, last month. We're going to do another one. Table Scraps Live. This one on February 21st. Uh, and it's going to be with Pastor Eric Brown of, of Zion Lutheran Church in LaHoma, Oklahoma. And we're talking about baptism. Just check out our website, TableTalkRadio.org for more information. We'll be right back for more Table Talk Radio and 10 Commandments in the News. Don't go away. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, serious theology, seriously bad hosts. Hi, this is Evan Gigline. Thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you ever wanted to be a radio clown yourself? Now you can with the Table Talk Radio Reformation Glee Club membership. This is my favorite Reformation Glee Club. Really? Tell them how we uh, sign up for the Reformation Glee Club. Yeah, why don't you tell them that, Evan? Oh, well, you just go to our website at tabletalkradio.org and click the support tab. Why don't you tell us uh, the different levels? Uh, yeah, why don't why don't you tell them that? Okay, well, there's the radio clown, the tabletalk radio pietist, the iron listener, or the theological bull rider. Yeah. Why don't you right tell it. them what we get?
3: Uh, yeah, why, why don't you tell them that?
1: <laughs> well, if you sign up for the Reformation Glee Club, you get tabletalk radio points for every dollar you donate.
2: Oh,
3: Nice. Love those
1: radio points. We really do appreciate all the support for Table Talk Radio, so we can continue to bring you everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show.
3: Pastor, name that tune. Oh, th- uh, Is it Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice, isn't it? Nope. Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's not that. <laughs> Are words coming? Oh wait, wait, wait! I I've heard of this song.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> what is it? Pressure. Oh. This is pressure, pressure. What came first, Ice Ice Baby or that song? Who copied who? I don't know, but there's like uh,
1: seven songs that use that bass line for the beginning of their songs. <laughs> ice
2: Ice. So Do you know were ice you ice ice were ice doomed
1: no matter too what. Young for that? I know what Ice Ice Baby is. Heard all
3: right, of it. stop. Collaborate and listen. I <laughs> I don't. I don't I, that song came out, Ice Ice Baby, at a very formative age for me. Uh, and uh, so now I still know all the terrible words to it. <laughs>
1: well, uh, you also know all the words to that terrible Bible song that's
3: uh, a parody
1: of some other rap song.
3: Yeah, I know. All the terrible things I know. And then we play, uh, (laughs) don't forget the lyrics to your hymns, and I can hardly get a point. I know it.
1: All right. uh, (laughs) I have a couple articles, or excuse me, audio clips uh, for Ten Commandments in the news. And here's mine for you.
0: For many Americans, the slickly produced commercials that air during the Super Bowl are actually the biggest reason to watch the game. But this year, one ad is prompting strong reactions, even though it has yet to be seen. The ad stars Heisman Trophy-winning University of Florida quarterback Tim Tebow and his mother. In it, he's expected to relay a strong anti-abortion message through the story of how his mother ignored doctors' advice to have an abortion for health reasons while she was pregnant with Tim Tebow. I've always been very convicted of it. One, that's the reason I'm here, uh, is because my mom is a very courageous woman. Tebow is a devout Christian. And the at least $2.5 million it will cost to air the ad is being paid for by the conservative Christian group Focus on the Family. Women's groups are using an advertising campaign of their own to mount a goal-line stand aimed at preventing the commercial from airing. They're demanding CBS reject the commercial. Cancel
1: bowl sexism.
0: CBS has stayed away from controversial Super Bowl ads in the past, but now says they've changed their policy and will accept responsibly produced ads because their previous stance didn't reflect public sentiment or industry norms. For his part, Tebow says he's just expressing what he thinks is right. Some people won't agree with it, you know, but I think they can at least um, respect that, that I stand up for what I believe. CBS says it has gotten both critical and supportive emails about the ad. Ed Donahue, The Associated Press.
1: There it is. Um, I think th- maybe the, the the first thing to be discussed here, uh, or maybe just maybe just to mention. Uh, but does CBS playing this commercial uh, pledge their agreement of the of the message being announced? For example, so if if the other side, you know, some pro-abortion uh, group made a commercial. By CBS airing that, does that mean that CBS agrees with the group that of the message that they're, that they're putting on? Uh,
3: I wouldn't say so, although this is a change of policy, and it is, I mean, perhaps indicative that the you change policy to allow for public opinion or, or whatever they're calling this kind of commercial, uh, and the very first one that you have is an anti-abortion um, commercial. I mean, that might say something, um, but... Uh, but no i don't think uh, I, I don't think that i mean it, it, what it, what if you, you know the super bowl has a has a a commercial for ford and then it has a commercial for chevy you know now uh well, wait a minute cbs you're being a hypocrite uh, don't you <laughs> you know endorse one over the other i mean i don't think that uh, be allowing someone to play a commercial implies endorsing that, that whatever is going on behind there i uh, agree no. with that
1: now, Tebow here just wants to make a, a commercial of, of what he believes. You know, he wouldn't even be here on this uh, on this planet if uh, if you know, his mother had an abortion, like she was advised. And so now he wants to make a commercial about it. No, uh, what do you make of of the opposition now that says uh, that CBS is being sexist for for allowing this
3: and, and abortion in general being sexist? It is good that to have this debate I think. I mean about about abortion and it needs to happen in the public policy and it's a moving story. Perhaps why this is getting so much uh flack is because this is really quite a compelling story. It's similar to the pro-life story uh, advertisement that the uh some pro-life Catholics put together um with uh when president obama was running for president showing how you know the, how when he started out it didn't look like there was much promise but then uh, now look and so i mean the, this is a very very compelling argument to go back and to look at all of the abortions that didn't happen and the joy and blessing to this world that results from it uh so i i mean i think it's it is quite a a stunning argument to have to call it sexist is is just ridiculous i mean um uh maybe if the only children that were being aborted were little girls that could be considered sexist <laughs> but but the i mean but the idea here that um you know this is my body i can do what i want with it is it it's not true i mean it's it's never true it, i mean first of all even if it was your own body you cannot do whatever you want with it i mean you can't go uh and and, and and make your fist punch into someone else's face. I mean, that's your body. I can do what I want with it. And I think, and I, I'm not sure this is true, but I, I don't think you can. Uh, there's got to be some sort of limit. At least there ought to be on the the uh, mutilation you can cause on your own body without cause. I mean, I don't. I don't think it's legal to. Uh, uh, to go and cut off your arm or something like this, is it? I don't even know. But anyway, it's not the point, because it's not your body, it's your baby's body. You can't do what you want with some somebody else's body just because it's inside of yours. It's a child in there. So this, the whole idea that this is sexist, it, I mean, it comes from this idea that uh, the, the kind of uh, perverted feminism that says that men and women are the same. And so to be the same, men don't have babies in their wombs uh so now women cannot have babies in their wombs it's just uh, it's just really fantastically morose, perverted logic and thinking. There's nothing sexist about it. Okay, why don't you address the question of the Ten Commandments and then I have a specific
1: question for you for Mm -hmm. the uh, casual (laughs) part, You know that thing, (laughs) the other thing that we do that I can't pronounce? Yeah, that's it.
3: (laughs) Uh, Well, of course, when you're talking about abortion, you're talking about the Fifth Commandment. You're probably also often talking about... So that's you shall not murder. You're probably also talking about the Sixth Commandment. You shall not commit adultery. Um, When you're talking about... Now, what I don't know is when you're selling. I I don't know what this has to do with. Maybe the fourth commandment or the eighth commandment. When you're selling time to advertise things, I don't know what realm that comes under. Maybe the seventh commandment and uh, and free trade with you shall not steal. So so the whole idea of of selling advertising. I'm not sure what commandment that falls under. Um, Are you saying it's wrong to sell advertising? No, no, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just don't know. Because, you know, the commandments put everything in this universe in order, and I'm not sure how that fits into the order. I think if you're buying and selling something, it would be the Seventh Commandment. Now, you know, the abortionists would use the argument that this is a confusion of church and state, so they think this is a Fourth Commandment issue. Uh, But clearly that's not the case, because there's nothing religious about not killing babies. I mean, that's that's not like a subtle doctrine that is in the creed it's just, everybody knows that who's who's as a human who's a human being right uh, so okay so let me let me ask you this question for the
1: apologetics part of this game um you, you you bump into someone who is uh for abortion and they say they actually make the case that uh that that the unborn child the, the fetus they make the case that it is not a human life it's it's not life how do you respond
3: uh we well, great you i mean to say well when does it become alive? life when when does that baby become alive what is the point of uh, of of life when it's uh uh when it takes its first breath when it um when it takes its first step when it uh, has its first word what, what in, in other words we there's this continuum from from conception all the way to to old age, and it's just—I mean—it's one little step at, at a time. So to say, well, when does when does life begin? And and to have that discussion, I think is very very important because every mother who who has a baby in the womb, ready to be born, who th- this baby is dancing around in their bladder and this sort of thing—I mean, mothers know the personalities of these babies before they're born. Th- 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 so people know that this is a person there. Yeah. That's so to right. ask this question, where where does life begin? Uh, I think gets to the point of it. Yeah. I want to come
1: back to this uh, after this break, and then uh, we will uh, continue on with your news clip for my consideration of Ten Commandments in the news, because I need some points. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. All right.
2: Table Talk Radio,
1: for those who have tried everything else
2: to get a good night's sleep.
1: Can babies be baptized? If you like the regular programming of Table Talk Radio, we encourage you to listen to our live show called Table Scraps Live, and we'll be talking about baptism with Pastor Eric Brown of Zion Lutheran Church in LaHoma, Oklahoma, and we'll be answering all of your questions live about baptism. Must one be immersed in baptism, or can he be sprinkled? Who is working in baptism? Can one say baptism saves? These are all the questions we'll be addressing on Table Scraps Live. Just click on over to our website, tabletalkradio.org, the night of Sunday, February 21st at 7 o'clock Mountain Time, and you can listen to Table Scraps Live on Baptism and call us with all of your comments and questions about baptism.
3: Hello, this is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. I'd like to let you know about an opportunity we have to support the show. You know, really, this show doesn't cost much, but we do have a few bills, and we appreciate all the help that you can give. We have this goofy thing that we made up called the Radical Reformation Glee Club, uh, where you can sign up to be a radio clown or an iron iron listener or something like this, and it's a few dollars a month uh, based on these different categories. If you and your family would like to support our show, if you would consider signing up for this, it would be a great help for us and a great blessing for our program. Otherwise, we appreciate all your prayers and support. Please keep listening and send us your notes and feedback. We love to hear from our listeners. Thanks again. Lord's blessings.
1: Table Talk Radio, Edmund Gigline, Pastor Wolf Mueller, theology, fun. What else do you need? Welcome back. We're gonna- I got a
3: long list. <laughs> you don't really want to know that. <laughs> Take a minute I to tell to news. I, yeah, I, we are talking about abortion and this uh, Super Bowl ad, and this, this whole question of abortion really, I just... I I am almost to the point of not understanding it. It 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 makes me uh it, it the the logic of the of the pro-abortionist just or the arguments they make no sense to me at all. I I mean I can I stretch and stretch and stretch to try to understand it just a little bit and I just I can't. So I apologize if I'm a little bit rough on, around the edges on this thing, but it makes no sense to me at all.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you you were right with your uh, discussion with um uh sorry <laughs> With your when discussion, does life begin when does life begin yeah thanks uh, because uh you know is it when you know they're born but here we have so many instances of, of babies being being born prematurely and you have to wonder what is the difference between that baby who was bon- born you know uh a month early and a baby who has not been born, but is still at the same stage of life in the mother's womb. I mean, there's, there's nothing. And, and, and you know, what stage is it, you know, uh, that the that, 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 that the fetus has a heartbeat? I mean, it, it's really early. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, it's just like, so what, I, I, I think you're right. You know, at what point does life, you know, I think essentially we want to determine when life begins. Um, Cause if we can put our hands on it, we can always put our hands on, when life ends too, and so yeah, you know, here right. we have, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, relative who, who can't really contribute to society. Uh, they're they're homebound. They're they're bedbound, and and they they're just waiting on our on our attention. You know, we have to actually serve them, like God said that we should, and we don't want to do that. And so we we'll talk about euthanasia then.
3: But well, yeah, there's this really goofy idea that if someone if someone's life is dependent on another, then they're not really alive. That's crazy. I mean, I don't know how my life, uh, and and maybe I my my life I and I think I'm alive, but my life depends on so many people, and and it, without all these people taking care of me all around, uh, I would certainly be dead. I mean. Goodness, I don't think I could, if you dropped me off with our friend Andy on the, the island, you know, uh, and come, come <laughs> pick right. up my bones in a month or whatever. So, of course, uh, our, our lives depend on, on other people from uh, f- when we're in the womb, when we're children, when we're adults, when we're old. Uh, we, we always depend on other people. Yeah, that's good.
1: Okay, well, uh, I suppose you want some points for this. I'll give you oh. 200 points for your, your answer there.
3: Okay. All right. I've got a news story for you. I actually have a transcript of uh, the the president of the United States talking to the boys and girls club about Christmas. So it was a few months back, December twenty first, uh, and uh, and so here I'll read the transcript of the conversation. I I should have got the audio for this. It makes it more intriguing radio. But see how old fashioned I am. Yeah. You give me a second. I get my pillow. <laughs> here, the president says. The one thing I think that's important to remember is that even though there's a lot of fun at Christmas, you know, you got, especially when it's snowy like this, so it's pretty outside, you got the Christmas tree, you got the Christmas cookies, you got presents. You know, I think the most important thing to remember is why we celebrate Christmas. And a child says, I know, President, do you know? The child says, the birth of baby Jesus. <laughs> Isn't this great? The President responds, the birth of baby Jesus. And what he symbolizes for people all around the world is the possibility of peace and people treating each other with respect. And so I just hope that spirit of giving that's so important at Christmas, I hope all of you guys remember that as well. You know, It's not just about getting gifts, but it's also doing something for other people. So be nice to your mom and dad and grandma and aunties and showing respect to people. That's really important too. That's part of the Christmas spirit, don't you think? Do you agree with me? So here's uh, the President of the United States teaching the children of the, the theology of Christmas.
1: Actually, I think you got the the other way around. The The children were teaching the President about Christmas.
3: Trying. They were trying. <laughs> That's right. The birth of Jesus. And, and the President says, The birth of Jesus and what he symbolizes for people all around the world is the possibility of peace and people treating each other with respect. Oh. So there you go. That's the news story.
1: Okay. Boy, there's a there's a... Uh, nice. Okay. Well, I'm going to just attack the the commandment section of this first. Um, already, uh, right at the beginning, we have, I think, a violation of the uh, second commandment.
3: Okay. I uh, shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God.
1: Right, because here we have uh, just the the clear the, the clear fact of what Christmas is, and that is the celebration of of uh, Jesus Christ, uh, who came to be the the Savior of the world. And, and to, to turn, turn Jesus into something that he's not, namely a symbol, <laughs> a symbol for peace. Um, Jesus came as a reality of peace, peace between us and God the Father. Um, and that peace uh, comes because of Christ's death on the cross. Uh, had, we, had we not had Jesus' death on the cross, there would be no peace between us and God the Father uh for all of god's wrath was poured out upon jesus on the cross uh, for all of our sins in our place and so there is no symbol going on there this is a reality this actually happened in history this is this is a fact uh, that this happened and it and it's a promise too um so um to 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 misuse god's name to say that that his his dear son's birth was but a symbol for peace it's robbing away from what it was. It wasn't just a symbol. It, re- it really was a reality of uh, divine
3: peace from God. Um, okay, are we going to respond to that? Well, yeah, and do you, do you remember when we played the heresy two-step? When Ah, we, we, we oh, yes. We, the dance step? I'm becoming a professional. The way that the heresy two-step worked is you, you took a, a, a thing, a word from God, or a, a real thing, and then you abstracted it. You took the the slide back into abstraction and then you could wiggle around each direction you want that's a this is precisely the dance that the president does i mean it's just it's so clear he's a, the person of jesus and then he said whoa that's not safe so i got to slide back into abstraction and jesus now has to be a symbol and if jesus is a symbol then i'll take him to symbolize this well, whatever my particular agenda is, and you can take him to symbolize that. And now we can all say, oh, Jesus is great because he's no longer Jesus. He's a symbol of whatever I want it to be a symbol of. And now we're doing the, the heresy two-step, jiggling around this way and that way. And Jesus becomes a... Uh, the, the sign of world peace or whatever just forget the fact that he said i came to bring a sword or he promised nation would war against nation or uh... in fact he says i came not to bring peace but a sword right well forget all the actual things that the man jesus did he's a symbol of peace so right. now i'm safe
1: so uh... dancers of the heresy two-step are are experts at eisegesis to insert with their their meaning into whatever they want
3: <laughs> Oh, precisely and i noticed that there was a buzzword you but it was nicely used, so I'm going <laughs> to give you four hundred points for the buzzword and four hundred points for y- <laughs> and four hundred points for your take on this news story giving you a total of eight hundred points. <laughs> Good. Uh, but isn't it, I mean, if you guys are, you know, we, you can learn a lot on, on Table Talk Radio. You, you might have to listen closely and you might be learning in spite of the hosts. But if you want to be a politician, <laughs> you got to learn the heresy two-step because this allows you to wiggle out of the tightest spots. You slide back into abstraction. So someone mentions something real, something concrete, something actual in this world. and Oh, I don't like the facts. I don't like the the person. I don't like the history. But I can't seem like I'm a uh, uh th- that i'm gonna reject them or i'm going to cast them aside or whatever i gotta be able to manipulate the whole discussion to do what i want so i slide back into abstraction i make the i make the event or the word of the person into a symbol and then then i can wiggle around dance like i want <laughs> the, you know the children go on they say uh why do you uh, why uh one of the child children here says i know why we give gifts to other people and the president says why is that and that child says because the three wise men gave gifts to baby jesus <laughs> <laughs> oh man and the president says that's exactly right but these three wise men the reason and then the sign <laughs> they wanted world real peace right? just
1: like miss america
3: well listen to this you know the three wise men if you think about it here are these guys they all have money they've got this wealth and power and yet they took this long trip to a manger to, just to see the little baby and now it shows you just because you're powerful you're wealthy that's not what what's important what's important is the kind of spirit you have so I hope everyone has a spirit of kindness and thoughtfulness and everyone is really think about how they can do for other people treating them well because that's really the spirit of Christmas does everyone agree with that yes he's turning these children poor children into ideologues there here they are they know the history of the thing and it matters to them he says ah nah nah let's abstract this thing let's make it mean whatever we want it to mean blah 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 this is really ah, that's terrible Mm. So did I miss any commandments there? I mean, we have about 40 seconds here. Are there any commandments that you could see that would apply? I don't know, but, I mean, the commandment that comes to my mind is the commandment where Jesus says, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin... Uh, It'd be better if a millstone was thrown around his neck and he was thrown into the depths of the sea. I mean, to to go and and to teach bad theology, especially to little children, is a very, very bad thing. And you have to know that these children will remember forever the time when the President of the United States came to talk to us about Jesus and the wise men. And here's the other bad thing is that Christian people will hear this discussion from the president and say, oh, you know, look at what I, oh, of course the president's a Christian and not a Muslim like all you guys think or whatever. <laughs> oh, the president is can't be bound by these sorts of names, Christian or Muslim or anything like this. He's got to make all this stuff mean whatever he wants it to mean to himself. So this is a pretty, it's a pretty bad deal here. Man, I'm all worked up. You always get worked up when we do things
1: like this. Well, we need to then bring uh, Take Commandments in the News to a close and get ready. I need to get psyched for Name That Theologian to get more points. Let's take a look at the score. Evan with 800, (laughs) Pastor with 200. Uh, And And high blood pressure. (laughs) We'll be right back.
2: Table Talk Radio for those who have tried everything else to get a good night's sleep. So,
1: take a shower and shine your shoes You got no time to lose You are young, man, you must be living Take a shower and shine your shoes You got no time to lose You are young, man, you must be living Go now, you are forgiven Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Name that theologian is the last segment of the program.
3: Hey, don't you want to play name that tune on that one?
1: Uh, The general by uh, Dispatch. Dispatch. I (laughs) I sent Pastor a text message. I said I need one more bump song, and uh, he sent me that one. So that's why he's so eager to play name that tune. He picked it.
0: You got no time to lose. I don't know why you like that song so much. Meow, meow. Okay.
1: <laughs> Instead of uh, meow, listening meow, meow, to uh, Pastor Wolfmuller make uh, meow, meow, instrument meow, meow, noises meow. with his mouth, uh, we're going to be playing uh, Name <laughs> That Theologian. Hey, put your mouth to good use, would you?
3: <laughs> All right. You ready? Here's the first quote. Name that theologian. You got 200 points on the line if you can name who this is. And uh, The score, especially... by the way,
1: is 800 uh, to
3: 200. Uh, I'm in the lead. But go ahead. <laughs> You're no, I, you aren't going to be able to guess this person because I don't even know, but let's give it a shot, <laughs> shall we?
1: Okay. Uh,
3: um, for this reason, we shall now relate furthermore. Oh, by the way, these, all of these quotations, you have one quotation per theologian, and they all have to do with the doctrine of conversion. Uh-huh. One quotation? One quotation. I think so it you should got be one worth more, more than 200 thing. points then. Fine. Make them worth 2,000 each. I'm not worried. (laughs) For this reason, we shall now relate furthermore from God's Word how man is converted to God and how through what means, namely, through the oral Word and the Holy Sacraments, the Holy Ghost wants to be efficacious in us and to work and bestow in our hearts true repentance, faith, and new spiritual power and ability for good, and how we should conduct ourselves towards these means, namely, the Word and Holy Sacraments. And how we should use them.
1: Okay, this is really good. Uh, this person is talking about uh, that. That's from 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 Romans. That faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and so that uh, our forgiveness and all 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 of our uh, uh, every, all the gifts that God gives us happens through the word, whether that be through the spoken word or through the word attached to the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper uh but the point is that this is how god works he promises himself through through the word that, that we we can never trust anything from god apart from his word um and so that the, the what you do then is just surround yourself with the by the word to to go to church where the the gospel is proclaimed in its truth and purity and where the sacraments are rightly uh distributed and so we don't want to turn church into anything else other than than giving out that word. Now, as far as the theologians, I this is tough on on one. I want to think of some some good uh, Lutheran theologians uh, like Walther, maybe even Luther himself. Um, but I'm not. I don't even know how anything to go on here. Uh, so I, I don't know. I'll just guess. I guess is it Walther? C.F.W. No. author okay
3: and who knew it but it is Lutheran this is actually from the formula of Concord oh okay uh, question two on free or article 2 on free will paragraph 48 so maybe Chemnitz was putting this kind of stuff together there was a written by a, a group of guys you see uh, the formula of Concord was so, now
1: you, now you we preface this segment by saying that these are quotations about conversion and so um, uh, how does one receive faith how does one in essence get converted it's by the word and so uh, to talk about there's all these evangelism programs going around oh, we're going to do evangelism and you can even you know, hire people to come, come in and talk about evangelism uh, but this is why we play this game we just got done with isn't it the casual apologetic conversation game that uh, all you need to do is learn the ten commandments and the creed that, that is to, to proclaim God's word the law and the gospel and if you can do that uh, then you can do evangelism so to speak
3: that's right Now, but there is a different doctrine of conversion that we have around today, and I'm going to kind of, through these quotes, trace the development. So we have in the Lutheran doctrine the biblical teaching that conversion is, there's two causes of conversion, God's Word and the Holy Spirit. And God is working through the the Holy Spirit is, what did I just say? God's Word and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is working through God's Word to convert the will of man. Now, uh, a third thing is going to be added in in this next quotation. So are you ready for that? Yes. Quote, here three causes of a good action concur. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and the human will, assenting to and not resisting the Word of God.
1: Okay, well, uh, so here we have have more added to the equation, don't we? No longer is it just... uh, God's Word, the Holy Spirit, this issue of human will. Now, it is maybe interesting to note here that that the discussion of the human will isn't active, but it seems to be, well, maybe it is active, to not resist. I guess that's passive, isn't it?
3: Yes, but she the will is here is admitted as one of the causes. See, so rather and what's so fantastically interesting here is that rather than the will being the very thing that's being converted, it's the will who is working wi- as a cause of a good action, especially uh-huh. of conversion here. So, yes. Yes. Hmm. You have a guess on this one? <laughs> 2000 points. Uh okay. I'm going to
1: guess uh, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. No, um, <laughs> uh, this this was you said this w- back in your days of uh, evangelicalism,
3: didn't? Oh, you? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, we're not yet there. <laughs> okay, because right, evangelical has right. only two th- two causes. Uh, God, the God, God's word is not part of it, but we're we're not there yet. So, okay, to so have three causes is a uh, is is older than that. Okay, um,
1: I don't know. Someone, see, I. I think Names like Finney come in, but that's still too too late in the process here. I I don't know who is this. This is Philip
3: Melanchthon. Ah, uh, that's right. This is why, why Melanchthon gets maligned. He was kind of the second generation Lutherans, and here he allows for man's will to have a part in conversion. It's in his *Loci*, written in fifteen forty three. All right, we're on to the next one though. You ready? Here, I want to I want to move through some of these because I think we're going to end in a good spot if we can squeeze it in. So. All right, three minutes. Here you go. Quote, the expression of our Savior, many are called but few are chosen, Matthew 22, is very improperly interpreted and we've corrected that earlier. There will be no ambiguity in it if we attend to what our former remarks ought to have made clear, namely, that there are two species of calling. For there is a universal call by which God, through the external preaching of the word, invites all men alike, even those for whom he deigns the call to be a savour of death and ground of severer condemnation. Besides this there is a special call, for the most part, God bestows on believers only, when by the internal illumination of the Spirit He causes the word preached to take deep root in their hearts. Okay. So let me see if I am
1: correctly understanding what this person is saying. Is this person saying they didn't use the word elect, but that the the God's word um does its work to the elect to save, but for the retrobate, so to speak. Um, they would, it, the, that same word causes to harden the heart and, and, to, and, to, damn. Is that,
3: is that what that person's saying? Yeah, that is. But the main you're right, but the main point then too is that now there's this wedge driven between God's word and the Holy Spirit. So the God's word goes out universe is the universal call, but there's a special call which taken it yeah. happens internally. So you have the external universal call of the gospel preached and you have the internal special call of just the Holy Spirit working directly on a person's heart. Oof. Oh, this is. so 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 this is now the seed of the separation between uh, the Holy Spirit and God's Word in the work of co- uh, of conversion. Hmm. Mm. Ooh, you got me.
1: uh mm. <laughs> I think this should be this should be worth a million points. Okay,
3: one million points. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is John Calvin. <laughs> oh, Institute's. I should have guessed that. Uh, well, I was I thinking, thought you had Calvin. it when you were when you were rolling around the word election. I was I was,
1: I was thinking Calvin it. but I, I thought you were going on these uh I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I I should have I should have got that. Well, mm-hmm. we have about a minute left. You want to try this? Oh, or you want to
3: extend this? Yeah, well, let's do let's do a special podcast extension of Ooh. this, this cuz we got we have one more quotation with one more theologian which brings the doctrine of conversion all the way from Luther to where we are now. Uh, and it shows really the differences and and what we face. But but maybe just to wrap this all up, the, the, what we have to know is that conversion is not our work. It's not. It's not something that we do. It's not something that we accomplish. It's not, not something that we can boast in. We have no part of it. It is the work of God on us in His Word by His Holy Spirit. Uh, so like you said, we, we avail ourselves to the Word of God because we know that... We, we know his promises that through his word he's creating and strengthening faith in us and bringing us from life to life eternal. Boy,
1: and that doesn't that give us comfort? I mean, to know that, uh, that my salvation is not based even in part of something that I've done, but I can, I can completely and fully rest upon the things that God has done for me. Uh, For if you know, we had to evaluate whether we're really saved, really going to heaven, or even that we're really forgiven, based upon uh, did did I do this thing right? There's there's always the thing is if it's ninety nine percent God and one percent you, the ninety nine percent doesn't really matter, does it? Because you're always going to be questioning was the one percent good enough?
3: That's right. We are not sent by God to exegete our own emotions or our (laughs) own heart but rather to exegete his word. And when we do that, we find that he loves us and that he spares not even his own son, but gives him up for us uh, so that we might have eternal life. That wasn't all that good. Um, I'll give you 500 points because I feel sorry for
1: you. Uh, Making the final score still uh, 700 to 800 uh, I'm in favor, but listen to the extended version of this show. Uh, if you're listening on the radio, uh, go to the website tabletalkradio.org, and click the podcast. This is show number 84, and you can listen to the rest of this, uh, rest of the theologians, um, and, and figure out who is, who is this uh, talking, and uh, we'll finish up there. Okay, thank you all for listening to Table Talk Radio,
3: where the points are like the role of man's will in conversion. They simply have no part. (laughs) It's useless. Useless. Don't trust your points. Don't (laughs) trust your points.
2: You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org, or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next
3: time to Table Talk Radio. Whatever. Just press the button. A special... <laughs>
1: A special reward for all of those who stuck it through to the end and then some. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is the oh, extended extra, edition extra of Table Talk Radio. Uh, okay, well, we couldn't, we didn't have time to finish this game. Uh, name that theologian, uh, conversion theology style. Uh, but we have one more theologian, and I have a good feeling about this one that I am going to get it. Is it still worth a million uh, dollars per per one,
3: or a million dollars? A million, a a million. dollars? <laughs> what? Are suddenly, that now that we're not on the air, it's dollars and not points. Sure, a million Table Talk Radio bucks are available for this one. You might, no, no, you might get this one. So maybe I'll deflate the value. Um, oh no, to a regular two hundred. Okay. Hey, do, since we're in extra time, can we still use our buzzword? Oh, I got the buzzword. We both got our buzzwords.
1: You got it. Was pretty sorry though. If you can think of a better way to use eisegesis, I would recommend it because uh, that was pretty sorry. Exegesis.
3: Exegesis was mine. And, uh, oh, yeah, I got exegesis. And I always like to la- wait to the last minute, so then uh, you panic. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's our fourth quotation for Name That Theologian, uh, and a uh, theologian in the broad sense here. Yeah. Uh, this is quite a longer one. I'll, so I uh, here, I'll break this one up into th- into three sections for you. Okay, thank you.
1: I, I don't have uh, a one. very long attention span, so.
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> Just so with the awakened sinner. Preach to him. And at the moment, he thinks he's willing to do anything. He thinks he is determined to serve the Lord, but bring him to the test. Call him to do one thing, to take one step. That shall identify him with the people of God or cross his pride. And his pride comes up and he refuses. His delusion is brought out and he finds himself a lost sinner still. Whereas if you had not done it, he might have gone away flattering himself that he was a Christian. Ooh. Okay. Do you like how I read that with gusto? <laughs> uh, huh? You're you're you're
1: reading that like uh, who is that that revivalist preacher that was really a Billy Sunday? You know, he got really excited about. Um, well, let us just give me the second one. I I don't have anything to say about that. So go ahead.
3: Okay. Uh, let's see here. Let me pull it back up. Oh, I'm just oh, checking my email while you were going on and on. <laughs> oh. All right, back to the quote. If you say to him, this is going to give it away right here. If you say to him. This is, of course, the sinner that you're preaching to in the revival. Right. There's the anxious seat. Come out and avow your determination to be on the Lord's side. And if he's not willing to do so small a thing as that, then he is not willing to do anything. And there he is, brought out before his own conscience. It uncovers the delusion of the human heart and prevents a great many spurious conversions by showing those who might otherwise imagine themselves willing to do anything for Christ that in fact they are willing to do nothing
1: oh okay so this anxious bench um is the tip off right yes uh so what was the what was the role of the anxious bench that they got kind of emotionally charged while they were while they were up there weren't they
3: so you're preaching and you say hey are you going to be are you going to become a christian and then the idea is now you got to give people something to do so that they can point to something that they did that what marked their determination to become a Christian. So the Anxious Seat was, in these revivals, they would have these benches sitting up front, and they would say, Okay, you're going to be a Christian? Stand up, come down to the front, sit here at the Anxious Seat. Uh, we have a gift packet for you, or whatever, you know. They pray and speak in tongues, and all this uh, stuff would happen at the front there. So that's the Anxious Seat.
1: Okay, so I'm thinking this was used... Um, Obviously, so we're looking at Great Awakening, I think preachers, right? So we have like uh, Finney, uh, maybe George Whitfield, um, maybe. Well, the, he John Wesley wasn't a uh, a uh, Great Awakening preacher, but
3: no, no, he didn't. He now did use now this. Now you, by the way, you're going to get in trouble with all of our uh, with all of our because we have this big strong uh, John Jonathan Edwards following. Oh yeah, Time the, the Jonathan Edwards. It's, so you better not call this the great awakening but rather the second great awakening cuz oh, Jonathan Edwards oh yeah. was the first great awakening and this guy was a Calvinist. He would have he could have never even dreamed of saying anything like this. So this is so this is second great awakening with all those guys that you mentioned before. Okay. Okay. Now here's the third one. This is going to blow your socks off. This is just a continuation of the same quotation. The church has always felt it necessary to have something of this kind to answer for this very purpose. In the days of the apostles, baptism answered this purpose. The gospel was preached to the people, and all those who were willing to be on the side of Christ were (laughs) called on to be baptized. It held the... Now, listen to this. It, baptism, held the precise place that the anxious seat does now. Oh, my goodness. As a public manifestation of a determination to be a Christian. Oh,
1: my goodness. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... Uh, this person doesn't understand baptism whatsoever. Uh, baptism is a sacrament which uh is a means of grace. Uh, we talked about this earlier in the show, didn't we? That uh, that God's I can't word uh is that far back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um uh that that, that baptism uh, bestows the forgiveness of sins because uh that's what God's Word says it will do, and uh God's word doesn't lie. Um and so what they're doing is paralyzing how uh how you know the the people in which the apostle the apostles preached to uh would then go to baptism and receive this forgiveness which they were being which they were preaching about now what now what this uh uh second great awakening uh preacher is doing here is now saying uh the modern day equivalent is this anxious bench so it's it 's the response, and so you you preach and then uh for those who respond the the forgiveness is there so this is just classic uh, decision theology stuff right
3: and classic in the capital C kind of sense of classic i mean this is the this is the this is the origin of it i mean this is so so now we 've traced the doctrine of conversion through throughout this last segment here, so first you have Luther conversion is uh uh, God's Word and the Holy Spirit now Melanchthon comes in, conversion is God's word, the Holy Spirit and man and man's will. Then Calvin comes along and he separates God's Word from the Holy Spirit and Now, when you get to this anxious seat business, you just have conversion as the result of man's will and the Holy Spirit working internally. that's just I mean it's amazing and 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 the this understanding of conversion is what's all around us. it's with the revivalism, decision theology, evangelicalism. Uh, every sort of moralism, Roman Catholicism, all of this. This is conversion is the Holy Spirit uh, and man's will working together. Hey, do me a favor and uh,
1: read the first one just real quick, since we're not we are under these terrible constrictions of time anymore. Uh, uh, read that first one just real quick for me.
3: The first quote or the first part of this last one?
1: The first quote.
3: Okay, let's see. Uh-oh. Aha. Okay. For this reason, we shall relate furthermore from God's Word how man is converted to God. How and through what means, namely through the oral word and holy sacraments, the Holy Ghost wants to be efficacious in us to work and bestow in our hearts true repentance, faith, and new spiritual power and ability for good, and how we should conduct ourselves toward these means and how we should use them. That quote? I don't think that was
1: it, but that's all right.
3: Oh, you wanted the first part of this other guy. Okay, here, oh, yeah, yeah. That was from the Formula of Concord, the first part in our game. No, I'm. Oh. yeah,
1: sorry, I'm looking for the first quote of this... Uh... Of this last one, you're giving me formula
3: of concord. Okay, I'll give it back to you. (laughs) I
1: was like, "That's not that's not
3: right." (laughs) (laughs) Just so with the with the awakened sinner, preach to him, and at the moment he thinks he's willing to do anything, he thinks he's determined to serve the Lord. But bring him to the test. Call him on to do one thing, to take one step that shall identify him with the people of God, or or cross his pride, and his pride comes up, and he refuses. His delusion is brought out, and he finds himself a lost sinner still. Whereas if you had not done it, he might have gone away flattering himself that he was a Christian.
1: Uh-huh. Now, when you first read that, I was le- leaning towards uh, uh, James Kennedy uh, because he had this thing where he, you, you know, he would, which would be more of a double predestination theology. But he had this thing where you had to really ask this person questions to find out whether they were really the elect. Because you would, wouldn't want to dare say something like uh, Jesus uh, has died for your sins if they're not elect. And so you, you, but I don't think that that's not what's going on, especially out of the second two quotes. Um, I'm going to say Charles Finney on this because I, uh, it's definitely in that setting, it's in that time period, and, and Charles Finney was kind of the preacher that kind of uh, came out with this uh, uh, decision theology. You know, he would put it. I think it was I think it was Finney that put it. You know, God has has cast his vote his vote for you. The devil has voted his vote against you. Now it's up to you to decide. And so it really puts salvation uh, completely in in man's hands. And so if you want to be saved, uh, it's up to you. Okay, am I right? Yes. All right. You're right.
3: You're right, Charles Finney. This is his—oh, here, let me pull it up again. I was checking my email again, sorry. (laughs) Could you pay attention? (laughs) We're doing a radio show here. (laughs) Lectures on revival. Ah, Uh, And this is exactly what he says. He's talking about how you do a revival and why it's important. So— it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, Charles now, Finney. He, Charles Finney could have possibly had, and this is really saying something. He could have possibly had the ugliest face of any theologian, except it for is pa- just so severe. Except for Brian Wolfmuller. right? <laughs> Charles Finney had, like us, a face for radio. He 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 looks kind of like uh, he kind of looks like Charles Darwin, who like who was lost at sea for a couple years. <laughs> I overlaid the picture of Charles Darwin and Charles Finney. Why are all these guys named Charles? Makes me slightly uncomfortable since that's my first name. I overlaid their faces, the Charles Finney and Charles Darwin, and they do—they, I mean, they have very similar facial structures. And when I overlaid them like that, I thought, "Hey, look at that! This is a missing link."
1: (laughs) Now, uh, I I was at McDonald's one time at the Redbox DVD, and this this Baptist came up to me and.
3: Hey, I've heard that story
1: before. <laughs> okay, that's your story. About 20 times. No, no, maybe we should uh, we should tell uh, that uh but you know when we when we talk to people who say that, you know, I I made a decision for Jesus. Um of course we're not trying to say, "Oh, you're not really a Christian." Uh, of course not. But what we're arguing about is is how that person became a Christian. You know, if if someone uh came to the point where they would say some sort of, you know, you have the sinner's prayer, right? Uh, that, you know, I asked Jesus into my heart, this kind of stuff. The The fact of the matter is, uh, in order for a sinner who is born as an enemy of God, in order for someone to ever say that prayer, they've already been given uh, faith by the Holy Spirit to say that prayer. You know, no one could say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so what we're saying is, is that God alone does all the work for your salvation uh, f- by his word. So upon that preached word... Uh, so, so these uh, these preachers just say too much. They they need to just proclaim the gospel, then stop. No, don't go on about now. If if you want to become a Christian, uh, you you have to come forward with the with this prayer. You have to raise your hand. Everybody, close your eyes. Raise your hand if you pray that prayer after me. You don't have to do that. So just just preach the gospel.
3: I know. Yeah, that's right. But see, look, this is precisely what Phineas worried about, isn't it? He says, if you do that, you let people live in the delusion of their. Uh, of their of this comfort that as if God has done everything and they don 't have to do anything and that is the, the the danger for Finney is not having is the illusion that you're a Christian and the way the only way to know that you're a Christian is to show this dedication that you've made yourself, which is so i mean i you're right, but Finney would say that you're, what you're saying there is precisely the problem. It's why we have so many people thinking they're Christian but not, because we have not called them to exercise their faith in, in an act of their own will. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's crazy and think, deadly
1: and terrible. I think the problem that faces uh, us with Finney is the same problem that we have today, is can we trust that God's Word does what it says it will do? And so we don't have to you know, put... Put new Christians to the test or anything like that, we can just proclaim God's word, trust it will do what it says it will do, and no longer be be judging uh, the effectiveness of the, of the preached word by by these human human standards of measurement by by the number of people that are there, but by you know the amount of money that's coming in or uh, the successfulness of some sort of program, but rather to just do what God told us to do to preach the word and administer the sacraments.
3: That's exactly right. There's nothing left to say to that, but amen.
1: All right. Well, you made it through to the end. Congratulations, everyone. And uh, tune again next week to Table Talk Radio. Uh, of course, right here on tabletalkradio.org. Uh, on February 21st, you can listen to Table Scraps live on baptism with Pastor Eric Brown from Zion Lutheran Church in La Homa, Oklahoma. You can listen live and call in with all your questions about baptism. See you next time. Goodbye.